across Daniel, the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to look at a familiar passage as we continue our series, Vintage, uh, Daniel and the Lion's Den. We're going to be in verses 10 through 24. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. You know, growing up, my family would watch this show on television. Maybe some of you remember it. Rescue 911. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. William Shatner hosted that show. I can still see the ambulance heading out to the frozen lake uh, as, it, as it came on. That was kind of the introduction and, 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 and saving someone. But each week a story would be told of how someone that called 911 was rescued. It was reenacted and, and the story was told about how they were rescued out of these uh, improbable situations. Uh, and, I, and I can remember watching that with my family and the Rescue 911. Maybe you've seen that show. But I also remember a time where I needed to be rescued physically. I was a little boy, and I was swimming in my aunt's pool. And I was in the shallow end by myself. Mom and aunts are up there chatting and talking, and some cousins had gone in, you know, for those popsicles, you know, those good ones you cut off, and, you, and you, you know, everybody likes those popsicles. So they got them a popsicle. Well, I was in the pool by myself, and I drifted down to where, getting real close to the deep end, but I wasn't a real good swimmer at that time. And so I got to close to the slope, heading down to the deep end, and I just kind of took off and began to float. And I began, I couldn't really swim, and so I began to, to kick and, and holler as best I could and, and splash. And, and, I, and, and then I went under, and I can still remember like water going into my nose and everything. And I'm just, I'm just kind of wailing, trying to make as much noise as possible. And then, and, and, and I got panicked, and I was just trying to splash, and so my mom would hear me, my aunts would hear me, but no cavalry was coming at that point, and, and so I'm just in, in, in the water there splashing, and then all of a sudden, I feel a hand grab my ankle, and my cousin had dove in, grabbed my ankle, pulled me to the side, and then my, my, parent, my mom and them got me out and put me on the side, and, and I was rescued from my time in the pool. Maybe you can relate to needing to be rescued. Maybe yours wasn't a physical rescue. It could have been. Maybe you've gone through a season in your life or something in your life where there's a physical rescue had to happen. Maybe it's more of an emotional type rescue that, that you needed to come, someone to come alongside you, build a relationship with you to help you emotionally. Maybe, just maybe, a spiritual rescue was something that needed to take place in your life. To be saved by God's grace from the sin that entangled you. So when we think about rescue, rescue looks different in a lot of different ways. But today what we get to see in this narrative is Daniel being rescued. A faithful, true servant of the Lord, the one true living God. And he is rescued from the lion's den. And so when we think about this together, it has great importance for our daily life. And our time together this morning is worth your time because as we look at Daniel and the lion's den here in Daniel chapter 6, we're going to see how trusting God matters for our everyday life. And this is an important matter and it leads us to our big idea for today. So if you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this. This is our big idea for, for today. Refined hearts are rescued by a glorious king. Refined hearts are rescued by a glorious king. And we're going to see how this plays out as Daniel trusts God, even in the midst of being thrown and sealed up in a lion's den. 
because we followed the one true living God. Now let me set up the context just a little bit for you this morning before we begin reading our verses in Daniel chapter 6. So last week we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which took place earlier on in the book of Daniel. And so the king then was King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar has gone off the scene. There's been another king, King Belshazzar. And what Daniel did, what made Daniel so powerful and so important in the kingdom, is that King Belshazzar had this inscription. And he needed that inscription interpreted for him. And God had blessed Daniel with understanding these things and being able to speak prophetically into his world. And so Daniel tells the king what this inscription says. And the king placed Daniel as third most powerful person in all of the kingdom. So Daniel was being faithful to God. Daniel was following the God's lead as, as God gave him the ability to interpret that. And it placed him in this high-ranking position with it throughout all of the kingdom. But then another king comes along, and that's where we pick up. King Darius comes along. But not only does King Darius come along, the accusers of Daniel are on the scene as well. And they're going to accuse Daniel of not following the king's decree and the king's rule. And so that's what we're going to see here. And it's really ultimately why Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. So let's begin and look at the first principle I want to show you today. We're going to see from Daniel's life a refined heart. A refined heart. Let's read verses 10 through 14 in Daniel chapter 6 this morning. So we pick up the story here. The king is, has written this decree. It's become law. It's become documented. Nobody goes against the king and his orders. So we pick up after this document has been signed and written and sealed by the king. Verse 10. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God, so they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, as the law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Verse 13, then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. So first we see Daniel's refined heart. You know, gold is a precious metal, right? But gold can be refined. There's a chemical method of refining gold, but the most, most used method of refining this precious metal gold is by temperature. Heating that metal to bring out a higher quality for the gold. The refiner's fire goes in and makes that precious metal something even more and brings about all of its quality. And sometimes in life there's pressure, right? Coaches might say this. Coaches might say when, when the game's going on that a pressure-packed game, they would say pressure doesn't build character. Pressure reveals character. And this is exactly what we see happening with Daniel. Daniel has all the pressure 
to follow the king's order. Daniel has all the pressure of being a Judean exile in a foreign land, in a foreign kingdom, to not pray to God. Daniel has all the pressure coming at him in many different directions, specifically with a group of accusers trying to bring him down and, in essence, get rid of him. But what we see in Daniel is a refined heart, a refined heart. Daniel possessed a refined and pure heart in his devotion to the one true living God, Yahweh. And we see in these verses that he continues what he's always done, this lifelong practice of prayer. This was not something that Daniel did because the king put out this edict, put out this order and signed it. Daniel didn't just start praying then. No. Daniel had a lifelong commitment, a systematic way of going about his day by praying three different times. So he didn't, he didn't, he didn't just say, oh, the king has done this. I better start praying now. That's not what he did, right? No, because God had been refining his heart through his prayers, he just simply continued to go before God, imploring of God that God would continue to work and provide and move him and shape him and mold him, even though it was a pressure-packed situation. And this is what happens because, of he, because he did that. By continuing his process of prayer, Daniel kept the door open for God's faithfulness. By continuing going and imploring before God and praying and petitioning the one true living God, what did Daniel do? He kept the door open for God's faithfulness to be proven in his life. Now, friend, that speaks to you and me. That speaks to us. That one step along our faith journey is that we must implore and we must pray and we must go before God so that the door of his faithfulness is open in our lives. Because when the door of faithfulness is open in your life and in my life, for God to show his faithfulness, then we're able to testify about who God is. What we learn from these verses also is that not everyone likes people of prayer. Not everyone likes people of God and people of prayer. They just don't. And, and Daniel's accusers, they're looking to, to bring him away from his lifelong commitment. They're looking to bring him away and, 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 and make him an example for others in the kingdom. That's the kind of pressure they're putting on the king right now. It says that Daniel prayed three times. We, we learn from Psalm 55 that, that King David spoke about that habit of praying three times a day. So, so within Jewish life, within the ancient day of Jewish life, this idea of praying to God three times a day was not something that Daniel came up with, but it was this practice, this spiritual discipline that allowed him to see the faithfulness of God work within his life. It's one of the reasons he moved up to be third most powerful within this kingdom. And it all came from a refined heart because of worship, faith, trust, and praying to the one true living God. Daniel's trust in God, it never wavered. No matter the amount of pressure, no matter what others were saying, no matter that the king had signed, sealed, and delivered this command that must be followed by the people, didn't matter, did Daniel. Out of his refined heart, 
be trusted by faith in the living God, and that never wavered. And I think there's some application here for you and for me today. There's some handles, some spiritual handles for you and I to hold on as we look at this refined heart from Daniel. One of those is this. We need to realize our need for a refined heart. We need to understand and grasp that we have a need for a refined heart. Speaking of King David, if you read Psalm 51, we know King David was a man after God's own heart, but he made that terrible decision of having an affair with Bathsheba, right? And when we look at Psalm 51, he says this as he cries out in prayer, imploring to God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. You know that word create is the same word used in Genesis that speaks of God creating everything. So what is David saying there? David is saying this, God, you're the only one that can create the heart within me that I need. David and Daniel, they're not talking about behavior modification. They're not talking about being a little more disciplined and not cussing so much. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. What he's talking about is saying, hey, God, you're the only one that can refine my heart to bring me to an open door to see your faithfulness and your hand and you work in my life. And we've got to grasp and hold on to the understanding that we have a need for a refined heart as well. But not only that, we see this from Daniel and his refined heart, that he had an established daily prayer moments. Established daily prayer moments are critical in our faith journey. Established daily prayer moments matter for our lives as we seek to follow the Lord, as we seek to live for Him. Now, Wherever you're at in the journey, think about the one next step you can take. Maybe that's one minute of prayer before your feet hit the floor getting out of bed. That, hey, before I even get ready, before I look at my phone, before I do anything, before I get up and, and, and start getting ready for my day, I'm going to take one minute and I'm going to praise God for this day. Or maybe that's on your lunch hour. Maybe you get a lunch break. And maybe when you come back to your place of work or, or you go home or whatever, you go home to grab a sandwich or whatever, maybe there's one minute there that you praise God for something in your day. These little moments, these established prayer moments can make a huge difference in our understanding of who God is, of hearing from God and following God. But there's something about prayer that we need to understand. And I love what Tim Keller says in his quote on prayer. He says this, you should not begin to pray for all you want until you realize that in God you have all you need. I want to read that just one more time. Follow along on the screen. You should not begin to pray for all you want until you realize that in God you have all you need. And that's what Daniel had. Daniel was the third most powerful person in this kingdom. Daniel had a relationship with the king. Daniel understood what the king had signed, sealed, and delivered. But he wasn't Daniel's ultimate king. He was an earthly king. And Daniel knew he had all that he needed in the king of the universe, whose name was Yahweh. And that's who Daniel prayed to. 
And so let's don't, let's don't go with the list of wants and desires before God until we recognize that God is the one that we need most above all else. But there's another handle I want to leave with you. And this third handle is this, seeking godliness must be valued. You know, we value so much in our life. We value so many different things in our life. We value things as far as relationships and family. We value our, our job and our place in the workplace and our career. We, we value material things in our life, having certain material things that we want to have. We value all kinds of things in our life. But to see God's faithfulness and to experience a refined heart, it means that you and I must value godliness. And we see in the life of Daniel here that before he's thrown in the lion's den, he's being accused because he is seeking God and living out godliness. And that's a challenge to us. But it's the example that Daniel sets that you and I must take and apply to our daily lives that we might seek to have this refined heart that only God can work in our life. And this refined heart trusted a rescuing God. That's what we see next, that Daniel's refined heart trusted a rescuing God. So let's move further in our narrative this morning, verses 15 through 18. Let's pick up in the story, verses 15 through 18, and see that God is a rescuing God. Verse 15. Then these men went together, so the ones that have said, hey, this Judean exile is praying to someone other than you, king. They've grouped up on him, and they want him out of the picture, so they're going before the king to manipulate things to have their way. So verse 15, then these men went together to the king and said to him, you know, your majesty, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king, king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting, no diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. What we see happening here is a verdict. Now, in our justice system, if you watch reality shows and law shows, we know that everyone is presumed innocent before being proven guilty, that there is a process that goes through our justice system, and it could take a year, a year or longer before a verdict is rendered by a jury, correct? That's what we see, that's what we know, that's what we've dealt with in our justice system where we live. This is the total opposite of that. These guys are like, hey, the verdict needs to happen now. We, we, we're not interviewing jurors, we're not calling Johnny Cochran or whoever to get in here. Like, we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. The verdict needs to happen right now. That's what they're saying. And, and, they're, and they're putting the king in this situation of, you know, king, you know, your majesty, you know what's supposed to happen, right? And here's the, here's the irony in this story. The king, the earthly king, King Darius, who is supposed to be so powerful, couldn't save Daniel. But the king of kings could. 
the earthly king who had signed, sealed, delivered, he put his, his signet ring on everything so that when Daniel was put in that den, there's nothing that's going to change that. He had all the power except he didn't choose to leverage that power for Daniel. But Daniel didn't place his faith in the earthly king, did he? He didn't place his faith in the relationship he had with the earthly king. No, Daniel trusted in the king of the universe, the living God, Yahweh. When we think about this, we see that God is a rescuing God. You see, the tyrants, they were opposing, they were opposing Daniel and they demanded a verdict. And just like a, a, a balloon that's put under pressure, the king popped. And he put Daniel in the lion's den. That doesn't sound like a vacation you want to sign up for, right? He placed Daniel in the lion's den. And then he says this. Notice what he says. There's this glimmer of faith for the earthly king here. He says, may your God rescue you. Did you catch that in the, in the narrative? The, this glimmer of faith from, the, from King Darius. He says, may your God rescue you. In essence, he's saying, I have to go by this edict. I have to go by this law of the land. So may your God be the one that rescues me. And then we find out that the king is disturbed by all of this, right? The king goes home. He can't sleep. He's not eating. Nothing's brought before him. He's worried. He's concerned. He's up all night because... He knew that Daniel had a refined heart, and he just placed him in the lion's den. He just placed him in the lion's den. But here's the beautiful picture of all this, is that God is working to rescue Daniel. That even though no one else could intervene because the king's ring and his, his signet ring and the nobles, their signet rings, they made it to where no intervention could take place. God, behind the scenes, is working to intervene for his faithful ones, his faithful servants, true servants, whose name is Daniel. You see, the stress of this moment had overwhelmed the king, but it didn't overwhelm Daniel because there is a rescuing God. And there's a key application here when we think about these verses. In Daniel's greatest need, God was working a great rescue. In Daniel's greatest need, God was working a great rescue. And so, friend, let that speak to you this morning. Maybe you feel like the stone has been rolled over the top of your head and it's been sealed up, right? Or that door has been closed in your life and you don't think it can be reopened or you missed that opportunity and no, you can't go back to that opportunity because it's already passed, right? You may be thinking that there's no rescue for you, but what we learn from Daniel is that there is a great God who is working out a rescue because that's who he is. He is a rescuing God. And so I encourage you this morning, wherever you find yourself on your journey, whatever season of life you find yourself in, to understand that your greatest need, whatever that is, there is a great rescuing God that is working to intervene and to bring you to a rescue king. And why does he do it? Because of his love and his grace. His love and his grace. The kindness that we sing about just a few moments ago. So gracious 
and so kind that he would leave the 99 for the one. You're the one. I'm the one. He will leave the 99 for you, for me, for whoever, because he's a rescuing God. He will reach into those moments. He will reach into those circumstances. He will shut the mouths of lions because he is a rescuing God. And that's what we see in the life of Daniel. But God hasn't changed. So don't, so don't think that God's changed and he's not no longer in the rescuing business because, friend, that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. What is true is that God is working out your greatest rescue out of your greatest need for his great glory. And just like Daniel, we can trust in him and in him alone. So we see a refined heart. We see that God is a rescuing God. And we see in verses 19, beginning in verse 19, that he rescues his servant. Let's pick up in verse 19. So the king's been, he hasn't eaten, he hasn't slept. Daniel's been thrown in the lion's den. So it's the next day, it's dawn of the next day. They're running out there. This is where we pick up verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21. Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. May haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. And also before you, your majesty, I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. He was let out. He was free. You know, this time of year, students on all campuses, right? doesn't matter how young you are. doesn't matter if you're on college campus. It is that time of year where everybody is looking towards summer, right? What's the old rock song, school's out for summer? That's right. Everybody wants to be out for summer. I can remember being in school and getting out that last day, and it was like birds being let out of the cage. We are free for the summer, right? Some of y'all in here, you, you're going to your campus tomorrow, and you're like, man, I can't wait to be free for the summer. Now, just imagine if your teacher was an angry lion. Then you'd really want to be free, right? But this is what day happened to Daniel. Daniel was in there, and God's faithfulness, because he trusted God, he trusted the God that rescues, his heart was refined before the living God. God proved himself by sending an angel to protect Daniel from the lions. And we see that the true servant of God is rescued. And those that are rescued testify about the rescue. Isn't that what I just did earlier this morning when I told you about being in the pool? I testified that my cousin reached in and pulled me out. I testified that, that he was the rescuer of me at that age and at that point in my life. And so what we come to understand here is that Daniel is going to testify in who the God he is, who the God he's trusted and believed in, even in the midst of the lion's den. And he is going to testify as the rescued servant to the rescuer. That God listened, God heard, God provided, and he trusted God and never wavered. And that's a true servant of the Lord. Friend, I want to be that true servant. Do you? Do you, do you want to be the true servant of the living God? 
do, do you want to trust God and not waver like Daniel? Because I do, and here's why I want to do that. And I hope you'll join me, and I hope you'll, you'll hear this invitation today that we can join in as the people of God to testify that we have been rescued. Because Daniel faced being rescued from the lion's den, but Jesus, the gospel says, has rescued us from our sins. And believe me, friend, when I say that the sin that condemned us is far more challenging and greater and menacing than a lion would ever be. And the gospel says that Jesus is the hero of the story, that he came in to break the chains of sin, to bring us from darkness into light, to bring us from condemnation into life everlasting. And so let's be like Daniel. Let's be true servants with refined hearts. Let's join in together and, and trust God without wavering, no matter what the king's, king's command is. Let, let's follow Jesus without wavering with all of our hearts so that we can, as a people of God, testify to the one true living God who has not changed. And maybe today you're in a moment of, of needing rescue I want you to understand that just like Daniel, you can go to God imploring of him for this rescue. Because he hasn't changed. He will not change. He is a rescuing God that, tr that we can trust. How do we know that Daniel is an example of a true servant of God? First, he was innocent. He, he had a refined heart and he was blameless before God. That's what Daniel testifies here. He, he says here, your majesty, I have not done harm. So he didn't go before the earthly king and cause harm. But he was also found blameless before the king of kings, Yahweh God. Secondly, we know that he was a true servant because he trusted God. He didn't waver in his belief that God would rescue him. He didn't waver in his trust for God to intervene. Because God is a rescuing God. Refined hearts, refined hearts are rescued by glorious God. Refined hearts are rescued by glorious God. And what we learn from this Old Testament narrative that some of us learned in VBS and some of us learned in Sunday school. And as, as we've gone on in life, maybe we hadn't turned to it in a long time. Maybe we remembered bits and pieces of it. It could be a day we've never heard this before, and it's right here at our doorstep. But what we learn from Daniel as a true servant of God is that he had a refined heart. His trust didn't waver. And his life testifies of the rescuing God. Friend, wouldn't it be beautiful if all of our lives said that? If all of our lives said, we sought to have a refined heart by the living God. We sought to never waver in our trust for the living God. That our lives were written testimonies of a rescuer, the one true living God. Because God's still in the business of rescuing. Even today, God's still at work in the business of rescuing. If you've never taken a step of true, authentic faith, I encourage you today. I encourage you today to hear the call because he will save you from your sin and give you life eternal. Maybe in your journey there's a situation and there's those circumstances today and you believe that that door has been shut, it's been locked up, it's been dead bolted, they put the alarm on, that there's no chance for hope. 
But I, I want you to hear that there's hope in a rescuing God today and that you can turn to him. You can lay that before his feet. You can cry out to him and he listens and he is faithful to hear your prayer and your call to him. Today you may have realized you've been looking anywhere and everywhere else to be rescued. Maybe today if we had a circle of your life and, and there were lines going out, this hole in the middle of the circle of your life, all these lines going out show that you've been trying to fill it with relationships, with money, with status, with whatever. You've been trying to fill that hole in your life, but maybe today you realize that that cannot be filled without knowing a rescuing God. And you need God to rescue you from that brokenness today. For fine hearts are rescued by a glorious king. And friend, he's still in the rescuing business. Whatever scenario you find yourself in, what we learn from Daniel in the lion's den is that God can be trusted. You can place your trust in him and he will rescue because that's who he is. I want to leave you with key takeaways this morning before we wrap up. Some key steps for us to take together as we move forward, as we disperse from here today, some key steps for us, takeaways for this week beginning as we leave here today. I want you to consider, ponder, I hope they'll be portable for you, and I hope they'll, they'll help, help you understand more that refined hearts are rescued by a glorious king. The first takeaway is this, refine your heart in prayer. That's what we see from Daniel. That's what we see from God's word. Refine your heart in prayer. Whatever that looks like for you, if it's a one-minute prayer before you get up, if it's a one-minute prayer before you go to bed, start there. The point is, is that you start. It's like Nike says, just do it. Just do it. And the refining process, process begins when we go to the rescuer in prayer. Secondly, trust in the truth of God's word. Trust in the truth of God's word. Daniel trusted in the living God and his trust did not weigh. But we have the word of God for us. We have the word of God to go to. Be in the word of God and trust the truth of it. And it will radically transform your life. When the word of God is planted and lodged in our hearts, our hearts are never the same. So trust in the truth of God's word. Finally, the last takeaway, follow even though you can't see the full picture. You may feel like everything is dark in front of you and you don't even know where to put the next step. Sometimes we go through life and we feel like there's this big spotlight and we can see way down the road. Sometimes we go through this life and we feel like we've got a pretty good flashlight and we can see those steps. Sometimes we may think we just got this little map and we can't really see. Or you may even be in a spot where there seems to be no light at all. 